the Boys Don't Try podcast. Bonus episode, how not to write an edgy book. Welcome to a special, very special bonus episode of uh, Boys Don't Try the podcast. In fact, I'm a little wary about even linking it to that name because Lord knows what's going to happen in the next 25 minutes, half an hour. But um, we wanted to do, uh, well, I say we, I say we wanted to do, uh, Mark and Matt wanted to do uh, a little special on how to write a best-selling edu book. Have I got that right, fellas? Was that the aim yeah. of this? Is we're going to try and give some useful tips um, for uh, for people to use um, if they're planning on doing something vaguely similar. And particularly, I think, if they're writing with someone else. That's that's it, isn't it? We're going to give some tips. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, it's annoying that you have to share the royalties. But, um, but yeah, I think a lot of people, uh, like, message me or, or, or Mark about how to write a book. And I just think that, you know, as um, writers of... Um, a top 100 Amazon best-selling book that Mark and I are in the perfect position to offer advice to to other people. Also, also I like to talk about myself. Yeah, I mean, I was about to say, how, how would you uh, answer the inevitable Twitter critique that is going to come and claim that this is massively self-indulgent? Yeah, it's self-indulgent. I wanted to be famous my whole life. I never got it. I <laughs> crap at everything. And I've written this. I've, I've, I was just about to say I've written this book. I've written. So yeah, I want to talk about it. I'm unashamedly. I hate this whole humble thing. And there are some people that are brilliant. At it. Mark's brilliant. At it. Mark is so humble. Um, but when Mark's being humble, he's bullshitting. <laughs> Because he is not humble. Wait a minute, all. wait a minute. Right, two, two things. First of all, you, you talked me into this by saying this was going to be a, a practical, helpful guide where we were going to give serious tips to your average um, edgy tweeter who was interested in, in kind of finding their way up the ladder. I didn't realise it was going to be this self-indulgent laugh fest. Says the bloke that just wrote a book with his own name in the title. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mention cool. it's, it's it's out tomorrow? I, I don't know if I'd mentioned this. This is my, my upcoming book. Uh, maybe we could do a sequel um, where I talk about me writing it on my own and uh, how it was a lot more straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, well, that's that's cleared that up. I think you can sense the tone of this particular bonus episode. Um, but we hopefully might get some useful stuff out of it. Um, right, so we've got six six top tips. Uh, haven't we, fellas? Uh, that we're we're going to talk through. Um, so I think we'll just we'll just dive right in. Um, so tip number one. This is the first tip that that, that you guys. Can tip have. number one for what? Like what? What's the aim? Here? The what's aim the here is to to successfully write an edgy book with someone else. Okay, <laughs> okay. is that fair well, enough? That's what yeah. we're aiming to give top tips yeah. for. Yeah. I'm, I'm... Or, or, or maybe on your own uh, after starting it with someone else. <laughs> Either way is fine. <laughs> Are we calling it right? Should we be saying this is how not to? I don't know. <laughs> how not? How not, how not to write? Um, yeah. So tip number one: live three hundred miles away from each other. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's a problem, isn't it? That you two managed to overcome. But I, I suppose we should. I suppose, is it worth going back to the start and saying how 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 did this come about? Do you know I mean, and uh, because I think that is a, a worthwhile conversation. How did this come about, this relationship between you two that led to this? And then how did you overcome that problem of living so goddamn far away? 
Well, I'm, I'm the boy guy, yeah? So I, I write about boys and, and masculinity and, and all these kinds of things. And, and some somebody else started writing about it. And I'm like, what's going on here? Uh, this, this is my territory. Someone else seems to be writing uh, these pretty interesting, intelligent, worthwhile, thought-provoking blogs. Often uh, it's not bollocks. Yeah, but, but you know, yeah. thought, thought-provoking, you know, nice yeah. euphemism, but... But still, um, I'm like, wait, wait a minute, that's, that's, that's meant to be me. So we kind of we kind of hooked up, didn't we? Sl- slid into DMs. And, yeah. and I, I, I eventually, after a little while, uttered the immortal phrase or typed in the immortal words, we should write a book together. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's how it started. Had you actually had a conversation at that point or had it all been via Twitter? No, never in person. So Mark, yeah, literally that's how it went. Mark DMs me. And said, let's write a book. And I, I was like, well, yeah, okay. Um, and Mark, I remember thinking at the time, I remember saying to, um, you know, my girlfriend, but, you know, saying, God, this guy, like, he's, like, he's a big blogger, like, he's, like, he used to be a journalist. <laughs> um, like, he wants to write a book. And, and um, he's, he's talking to me about this thing called a proposal, you know. Um, and 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 that, I think when we got offered the when we got I think we had two publishers come in in the same week and we hadn't even started writing a proposal, um, but the idea initially was that we were going to write a proposal and send it to publishers and then I think the two of us wrote two blogs or a blog each that in a very unique or in a very short space of time resonated with lots and lots of people and so so they came in for us which is well it's beyond our wildest dreams when you say Mark. yeah and, and i think there's a really important point here that I've, I've had quite a few people message me and say i'm, I'm really interested in, in in writing more or getting my stuff out and, and what should i do and and setting up your own blog and, and putting yourself out there is absolutely the way to go initially. It, it, you can, if you've got a brilliant idea and you're an amazing writer and you're full of confidence, you can go straight to publishers and I'm sure they'll be interested in, in listening to really top quality pictures. But the act of just blogging frequently and, and you start off with nobody. I, I remember my first blog probably got about six likes or something. And you know. It's hard to keep going with that, isn't it? It's really hard to when, when that's It happening. is, it, it is, but... I think it comes back to the idea of why you write, and and I mean, I'd, I'd urge anyone actually to go back and look at George Orwell's classic essay, "Why I Write." And one of the key things he, he talks about is this sense of the writer's vanity uh, and, and the writer's sense to kind of leave a mark, and this desire to, to to write about the essential things of our times. But one of the things is you, you you write for yourself, don't you? You write about what you're interested in as a way of kind of processing your thoughts. So to begin with, it doesn't really matter if anyone's reading it. I don't think anybody would. I don't think anybody would accuse Matt of writing just for vanity. I don't think that. It's a weird thing, isn't it, with me? Um, often I get, um, you know, like, oh, you're just trying to be provocative for attention and all the rest of it. Um, I can honestly say everything I've ever written, I've written because I believed it. Um, of course, yeah, I like people commenting and discussing the stuff I write. With Mark's advice about anyone wanting to write, I do think you have to put out, put yourself out there, become a, a voice, and you have to, you know, on things like social media, like on Twitter, you have to 
you have to say things that maybe no one else is willing to say or and then presumably take take the hassle that comes with that as well yeah of course you have to take the hassle that comes with it as long as you're honest do you know what i mean so when we're talking about gender i mean i i guess i get far more wrong than i get right i guess but i'm honest about it and so and that's what happened early on, I think, is that I was saying stuff that I fervently believed. But when I was called out on it, I admitted it. And, and, and so, so the thing with me and Mark is you've got that, you've got Mark's intelligence <laughs> and, and kind of measured approach to things. And then you had my, I don't know, like my not thinking before I spoke, I guess. Um, but, but somehow the two combined... From my point of view, I, I think that this this comes down to a fundamental point about the way that we we approach writing in a, in a, in a different way in terms of um, what gets us going. I think when it comes to writing styles, we've got quite a lot of similarities. But I think Matt writes quite impulsively. There'll be something that will, will really get him uh, thinking and really get him worked up and and really passionate about something. And he'll 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 do this kind of burst of really energetic writing that will be full of absolute passion and, and pouring your heart out and I'm more of a kind of muller over I'll, I'll spend a, a couple of weeks thinking about something and then I'll be able to really get down clearly what I've thought and when I've crystallised ideas a little bit and I think that, that that approach probably works together really well because we can kind of impact each other and, and bring out those those other elements that we each other don't have and you know like i probably have to cut a lot and you might have to add a little bit more you know, like. yeah exactly yeah no it's true i mean that some of the stuff that i'd, I'd write you'd, you'd it'd be a bit flat and you kind of say well you know it needs a little bit more oomph mm. and then i'd kind of say mm, yours is amazing it, it just needs a little bit more evidence or clearer argument or something like that so did you did you edit each other's work extensively yeah um, yeah, I think the really interesting thing about this is that to begin with, not knowing each other that well, we were super polite, weren't we? It yeah. was very much like, you might want to consider um, just thinking about reframing this bit and look again at that. You know, it's just something for you to possibly think about. By the end, we were like, this is clumsy, that's crap, get rid. Yeah, you're talking <laughs> bollocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that comes with getting to know somebody, doesn't it? That's, that's, that's the yeah. relationship developing to a point where you can be that honest with somebody and say, no, look... That's that's not right. That's not sitting well. We need to change that. Um, okay, so so let's get back to your first tip, which was live three hundred miles apart. <laughs> um, was that a significant issue, or in these modern times, did that 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 distance not really hinder it too much? I don't know. I mean, we got through it. Uh, obviously, email is a huge help. So I'd write something, email it to Mark. He'd come back. Um, but it certainly slowed things down. We did. We did. I mean, I guess we'll come on to it, but we did meet occasionally and, and we found that when we met, that was, and you know, physically, that was when we got the most work done, wouldn't you say, Mark? Massively. I think sometimes we'd get through probably a four times the amount of work in, in say, six hours than we would do in, in two weeks, um, pinging emails back and forth. So, uh, well, that leads us on then to tip number two, which is meet twice <laughs> is, is it was it really twice that you met during the whole of this process i think it was I think, it? yeah I from, think that's and right. that's presumably that's conception to publication is it 
it's it sounds hyperbolic, but I don't think it is. I think it's it's two or three times, isn't it? And 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 again, that was pretty pushed for time. It was pretty much like we've got from I don't know seven o'clock on a Friday night until ten o'clock on a Sunday morning. We're not talking kind of getting together for a three week writing retreat. We're talking bash it out very very quickly. But bear in mind that I live with my mum at this time as well. So like, my Mark Mark would come up and like, what we get to just sit in my sit in my little bed sit box room bed bed bedroom. And, Right, like it would, you know, it were, yeah. Mark mentioned the writers' retreat. Like, you needn't think that we're, um, you know, in a new forest somewhere. Um, <laughs> I think we probably wrote half the book in like the the, the the four or five days that we were actually in each other's presence. <laughs> I think this this intrinsically links into top tip number three on how not to write a best-selling edgy book. When you meet, make sure. You spend most of that time in the pub. <laughs> is that is that f- fair? It's difficult, isn't oh. it? Because you know, when we first started writing, we didn't really know each other. You're in this really kind of intense situation. It's like, oh god, I'm writing a book with someone I don't know. Um, but and, and so very quickly, these strong relationships develop, and all of a sudden, he's like like my best mate. And so, yeah, I mean, he meets twice, and we're in this quite intense situation. He comes down. Um, or I go down there, and with all the best will in the world, we'd love to spend Friday day and Friday night writing, and then Saturday and Saturday night writing. Um, didn't always work out like that, did it, Mark? It doesn't, and 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 I know obviously it helps with the social element, but but I think one of the key things is that. Um, our brains, we, we, we're not really set up for, for long, 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 long periods of work, are we? We can do a good few hours of, of kind of intense activity and then we need to move and, and let things percolate and come back and revisit stuff. And that's absolutely key. You, you can kind of stare away at the same paragraph for ages and try and improve it. And then suddenly you come back to the next day and you can just sort it out straight away. So I think there was massive benefits in that. But I think the key there, though, really, is surely that 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 time brought you closer together. And one thing I like about the book is that it doesn't really matter which of you is writing the chapter, although the voice is different, the principles are the same and the the, the yeah. viewpoint is... You, you're both pulling in exactly the same direction. The book doesn't feel disjointed in that way at all. And I think that comes from the fact that you two get on and, you, and you've and you got you've got that connection yeah but but also it wasn't as natural as it might come across like we had a separate group whatsapp group um it was specifically called the principles where you know even before we started writing we were like right what do you think about gender and, and boys in school what do i think and so we were you know we were thrashing it out all of the time um ranging from you know, are boys lazy? Uh, do you believe that boys are naturally aggressive? We, like, we would think all the big questions that we answer in the book, we spent months deliberating ourselves. Because the book needed to, with two authors, the book needed to feel like, I, I think part of what works with me and Mark is like um, our relationship. And the book needed to feel like it was a harmonious relationship. You know, it was a product of a harmonious relationship, not two geezers that came from completely different backgrounds with completely different ideas about not just not just boys, but education and stuff. And luckily, as Mark said, like our we're we're quite aligned in in how we think 
Yeah, and I, I think one of the key things about that is that if, if we look at going back to some actual useful practical tips for anybody who's interested in writing in general, we were absolutely obsessed with the idea of readability. We were absolutely obsessed about the idea of making this a well-written, entertaining read. We wanted it to be something that people would look at it and would admire the writing. Whether you've, we've achieved that is, is up to people's I opinion. Think, but uh, Well, I, th I think the one thing that, Kate, that made me really enjoy the book, I mean, I devoured it in a very short space of time, I would describe that book as the most accessible edgy book I've ever read. Yeah. I mean in terms in terms of being able to tune quickly in to what was the what were the point of where it was going and 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 what was the good advice that I could take out of it. The way it was written was I think was absolutely crucial in its accessibility. Yeah, and I you know I you know I've said this to Mark before and I've said it to other people before but but a lot of a lot of that is down to Mark even if, you know, um, Mark, Mark, Mark was the one who constantly was always talking to me about readability. You know, he'd say things like that analogy doesn't work because there'll be readers that, that, that won't know um, what that means or um, that word is, you know, like Mark was always about readability. So for me, um, the, the whole process was always kind of about Am I writing good enough? Like, is what I'm doing good enough? Whereas I guess Mark's input was always a little bit more think about the reader, you know? But, but and that, and that's very kind of you to say, but what was, what was really important is that your style, I remember some of the early extracts that you showed me, was so well written, was so powerful, uh, and, and the style was so affecting that I was like, all oh, right, I'm gonna to have to up my game here. Uh, I can do the kind of dry journalism, explaining stuff, taking research and explain in a way that's easy to understand. But it's like, yeah, but this is gonna be in places, I'm gonna to have to really up my game in terms of the narrative style and in terms of the, the flourishes. And that's something that, that came from you. So it started to really work together. But I think we, we, had a, we had a really shared idea overall that we wanted this to be something that classroom teachers would read. And I've read so many brilliant um, edgy books recently that are fantastic that are clever that have got something to say but as I'm reading them I'm thinking busy classroom teachers don't have time for this they, they need something that's broken down a bit more and that's what we were desperate to do tip number four how not to write a best-selling book is to ensure that one of you doesn't own a computer a laptop or any form of word processing <laughs> can, do you think yeah. any, any listeners can guess who that might be <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't think this is one we should dwell on, except beyond beyond the obvious question of how in the hell did you do it so, without a word processor? Yeah, the year I wrote the book, my whole like life just went, <laughs> went it, it, it turned on its head, and yeah, um, yeah, I didn't own a computer, I didn't own a laptop, so how did I do it? I mean, I you know, large swathes of of, of my cop my copy that's what you say when you're you, you're a writer yeah very copy. good yeah, yeah very good thanks mark um like <laughs> like like lots of what i wrote was done on my phone like done on my iphone um are you kidding no no not at all i i, I could like a text message I'd, I'd bash out you know like a 700 word text message and that was that was um but also i was lucky enough to work in a, um, at the time in the school I was working. I worked in a school where actually one of my performance management targets, my fourth target was um, finish Boys Don't Try. 
And so my head teacher was really supportive in allowing me that that time. So four o'clock, half four, um, I'd be writing Boys Don't Try in my classroom on, on my school computer. And the head teacher would come in. Um, his name's Alison McKenzie at King's College Guildford. And he would come in and ask to see it, you know, and give me feedback and stuff like that. And how amazing is that? You've, you've, you've really hit on something there, Mark, that, that one of the key things is that I know that, that writing a book can, can really be the last thing you want to do at times. You know, like I used to come on on a Wednesday night and write until six till eight after I'd had like a meeting at school. And it was the last thing I felt like doing. It was a real drag at times. And you've got to be really committed to it. But the amount of impact it has on your own teaching and your own thinking, and the amount of ideas you get is crazy. Okay, tip number five, um, and I think this is a, this is a, the biggie, really. You've got you've, tip number five on how not to write a best-selling edgy book, but I think this one actually could could cross over into how to write a, a, a best-selling edgy book. Take on a topic that is f***ing massive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you did do that, didn't you, fellas? I mean, you've not... You've not tackled something that's a bit minor in education. You've gone, you've gone big. You've gone against the grain of thinking. You've gone controversial in some ways. Yeah, it, we we did go against the grain. I think if you look at the, you know, before before the book came out, a lot of what was being said about how boys learn, um, just 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 was rubbish. Um, and also, I think what we wrote was controversial and. I'd be at pains, but maybe I'm because of what people kind of think of me. Like when you see my Twitter persona or whatever, I'd be at you know I feel the need to say that we didn't seek to be controversial. You know, we 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 sought to write a well-researched book um, full of practical advice for teachers. You know, we didn't we didn't seek to be controversial. No, and the the and the research the research element is is absolutely key. Um, one thing about the massive nature of the research element of it is there's there's so many influences in this. There's so many competing ideas about what it might be that that's holding boys back or that's leading to this gender attainment gap, however you want to phrase it. Um, one of the problems with this is there's so much out there on gender that you can you can literally carry on reading research forever and ever and ever. And this is a problem with me. I, I get addicted in, in going down this black hole where you'll, you'll get a study and that then gives you 30 references and you'll go and read those references that will give you another 30 references. And it becomes this like many-headed hydra where you can never stop and you can never finish something. You end up reading kind of a million words for a 3,000-word section of your chapter. It's just, it just becomes a beast. And that, for me, one of the big things is knowing to say, okay, stop. Even if there's something really important about this particular topic, enough's enough. You can't do any more. Just get down and write it. And that's one of the things for me that's been difficult. But I think that's, that's, where, um, that's where your book is a real success because you've managed to distill that research into something that is very readable and very accessible, as, as we mentioned earlier, for, for your average Joe teacher like me. Do you know what I mean? And I've I've talked before on on the pod about how reading your book was a complete wake up call. I've been teaching I've been teaching for eighteen years. Do you know what I mean? And I read your book and suddenly thought, oh my god, I've been doing it wrong. And that was how that was how clear cut it was for me. It was 
Oh, yeah. yeah. This suddenly makes so much sense. And just because everything I've been told up until that point was suddenly thrown into doubt by your book. And and when I started analysing it myself and looking at what you were writing and then thinking about my own core beliefs and attuning those things with what you were saying, suddenly it all became so clear that, well, obviously I've got to change the way I deal with this stuff. I think it helps that we'd been on the same journey, and, and, and this is one of the other reasons why, why I hope that the, the book has had an element of credibility, is that we're not saying that we know everything about everything and we've always been right. And, and we, we kind of start by giving this mea culpa where we say, you know, we used to think these things, and we used to write these terrible blogs, and we used to believe that we, we had all the answers, and it's only by really educating ourselves and... and reconsidering our point of view that we we recognize that we had a lot to learn too and that's what this this book is it's a process of of recognizing those kind of flaws in our own thinking as well rethinking is the key word in the title you know like mark and i have had to rethink everything that 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 we thought about gender tip number six i feel is the most important one because i still marvel at how you manage this but do all this work whilst having full-time teaching jobs and children and lives and all of that. I mean, it's... Yeah, you can do it two ways. You can do it the Mark Roberts way or the, or the Matt Pinkett way. Um, Mark, how did you do it? How did you... Like, you've got three boys and a family and all the rest of it. Like, how did you do it? Um, rigid, formal planning which is is not my thing but i remember talking to my wife about this and i was like listen i'm gonna write this book and she's like well listen you're gonna have to come up with a plan we're gonna have to work around our time and our family time and you're gonna have to do it on these set hours and it might be times you don't want to do it but you're gonna have to do so i did six hours a week which was two hours on a wednesday night six till eight um two hours on a saturday morning um i think it was eight till ten and then two hours on a sunday afternoon two till four and there were certain times I hated it, absolutely despised it. Um, but I stuck to it, largely. There'd be certain days when you'd, you'd say, okay, I'm not doing it today. But more often than not, I would stick to it. And you've really got to want to do it. And, and, and I remember as, as a kid being like, oh, yeah, I want, I want to be a writer. I want to be a novelist, all this kind of stuff. But I just did not have the commitment to actually sit down and do it. And I was determined this time to, to prove it right. And I think one of the reasons I was so desperate to do it is I'd spent a large part of my 20s just kind of bumming around and, and not really achieving much and, and not kind of setting myself any goals and doing it. And, and this time I was like really, really determined and stubbornly determined to do it. So, yeah, that's, that's what, what's fired me on. What's the Matt Pinkett way then? <laughs> <laughs> I was probably a little less, like I say, you know, I was going for all sorts of stuff at the time. Um, I was lucky that I got, um, you know, I had that head teacher, Alistair, who who allowed me time after work. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't. When we think about deadlines, Mark, towards the end, mm-hmm. I mean, what were you talking with my stuff? I mean, I, I see from you know, you had your first drafts done six months before, and we were reviewing them. You you got you got bogged down with the disadvantage chapter, didn't you? Because again, yeah, there was one talk, particular chapter. Yeah. Go on, Mark. You, you talk about a massive subject. You got a massive subject within a massive subject. No wonder that one took a lot of thinking out and working out. And it was kind of like, where where do you start? You could have written a whole book on that alone. So so it's not a yeah, surprise. Well, that, and that, where that, do you stop? Yeah, 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that disadvantage chapter, chapter two. Yeah, that was um, that's took months and months and months and months. And and you know, there's still probably about seven, eight thousand words that we cut from that that I've still got on a on a laptop. But yeah, we got there. Yeah, we're doing all right. And you know, like Mark's currently, we're doing a bit of writing, and you know, I'm I'm trying to you know do it Mark's way, and it does. And anyone that wants to write, you've just got to write, even if it's crap. Just do it, and you'll come back to it the next morning and or whatever, and you'll review it, and um, yeah, it will still be crap. The frequency, the habit of everything, we, we we set this to our kids, don't we? You know, you're teaching, you don't expect kids just to suddenly turn up on the day and, and, and bash out amazing stuff in an exam. You talk about deliberate practice and all of these kind of boring things and regular routines of revision and everything like that. And you have to stick to it, and you don't want to. There was this is a bit cheesy, but there was always one one writing quote that I used to have stuck above my desk that that, that used to keep up keep me going. It's Anthony Burgess. It says, "Wedged as we are between two eternities of idleness, there is no excuse for being idle now." Yeah, get your arse in gear. You're gonna die. Get your ass in gear. Get cracking. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's my method. Um, cool. I actually think that's far more useful, lads, than I ever dreamed it was going to be. If I'm honest, um, I think we we started out that that little this little bonus episode is something that was going to be a bit frivolous, um, but actually I think there were some useful tips in there. I mean, the the actual tips were obviously nonsense, but I do think there's some some useful advice in there. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that amongst the self-indulgence there, if there are people out there who are interested in, in writing um, either any kind of publication or they want to write a book, get in touch. We're always happy to help. So, yeah, send us a message and we'll do what we can to try and give you some pointers. Good. Brilliant. Uh, listen, we'll see you for a proper episode soon enough. Um, but for now, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you again.